0: You're listening to the Sermon Audio from Mill Creek Community Church. If you like what you've heard or want to find out more information, please visit our website at mymillcreek.com.
1: Our text this morning, Luke chapter 11, the first four verses. It's on page 599 in the Chairback Bible in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, please feel free to take one of those home with you as our gift to you this morning. Luke chapter 11. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Holy Father, we come to you now. We ask that as we apply ourselves to listening to the preaching of your word, that you will be glorified, that we will make much of your kingdom through obeying and understanding your word. I pray that you will bless Jeremy as he he preaches the word, as you reward the effort he's put into the text. Holy Spirit, would you take now the word and impress it on our hearts? Would Would we be ready to receive, quick to obey in Jesus' name? Amen.
0: Thanks, Pastor Marty. Tell me about your prayer life, and I'll tell you what you really believe about prayer. Tell me about your prayer life, and I'll tell you what you really believe about prayer. In a church like Mill Creek, where we're so committed to the scriptures and wanting to do God's word, God's way, seek to be faithful. Seems to me, a church like us, we, we probably could answer a lot of questions right on a test about prayer. And as you come in this morning, there's some stuff happening in the text that you may actually already know intellectually so you've got some of this stuff bundled up we we know what prayer is we know how to pray we've read books on prayer a few of us even here know how to spell it and we got this prayer thing but i think too often prayer becomes an aspirational value something that we We'll talk about, but then when the rubber hits the road, what we really believe about prayer is different than what we say about prayer. And that's why I'm starting with this idea that if you were to actually show me your prayer life, I could tell you what you really believe, because I think there's a disconnect for too many of us between what we say we believe and then actually how we pray. I think the enemy, one of his ways he tries to deceive us is he would do anything he can to get us to stop praying. And some of us in here, one of the ways he does this is we, we have a tendency to just say, man, I'm too busy. I'm just too busy. Man, I wake up, I'm, I got my phone, I'm miles down the road with my day before I even stop to think, maybe I should have prayed at some point. And then you whisper up a little something. Maybe you're on a drive and you can't find a podcast you like. So, well, I suppose maybe I'll pray real quick. We say we're too busy. We're too, more likely, bored. That's the reason we're not praying. So, he gets us to stop praying with some of that issue. For for others of us, we actually are praying. We're praying. We even have a list of things we're praying for. But if you were to show me your list of things you're praying for, what it reveals is you're actually using your prayer time as a means to get what your heart really wants. You think to yourself, well, I mean, you say in your Bible that the Lord will give you the desires of your heart, and and so the things that I want are more money and a nicer car, and, and I want this problem fixed, and I want this person to to like me and stop not liking me and 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 prayer turns into a means that you're actually asking the Lord would you give me my idols and so the enemy if he doesn't get us with being too busy or too bored he gets us with using prayer for idolatry or maybe those two actually don't get it. Maybe, maybe the way the enemy gets you is this way. Is you think to yourself, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could answer the questions on prayer, pastor. I sort of get how this thing works. But there was a time when I actually prayed about something and I was serious about praying. Like I really prayed. And, and the answer I was asking the father for did not happen. And the way the enemy has tricked you, the way that he's deceived you is, in your heart, even though you could answer all the right questions about prayer, actually, your issue is, you're not sure that God's good. You're not sure the Father's actually working for good on your behalf because that time you really needed him to come through for you, it feels to you like he did not. And so you just figure... Well, he's going to do whatever he wants anyway. So what's the point of praying? I think one of the enemy's great tricks, he'll let us believe all this stuff on paper about prayer, but when the rubber hits the road, he doesn't want us praying. And this morning in our text, our author Luke, he is pointing us toward Christ's heart for prayer. And and. And as I was working for this sermon this morning, my prayer was that God would grab a hold of us and that there would no longer be a difference between what we say we believe about prayer and how we actually pray. And that the Spirit might light our hearts on fire and we could be the kind of people who actually are going before the Lord on our knees praying Christ's prayer. For his glory. This morning we are going to see in our text that there's three main movements. And so this sermon we're going to have three main movements. And what I want to show you church, if you'll lean in with me, is what's really necessary in prayer. That's where Luke starts. Then he's going to show us how to pray. And he'll finish with what we're supposed to believe when we pray. Those are the three movements. What's really necessary in prayer, how, what we're supposed to believe. So we'll walk through those three movements, those three parts of the scriptures. We'll finish with application. My hope that we can actually put some real rubber to the road for you. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, please open to Luke 10.38. Let's walk through this text. The first question that Luke answers for us is, what's really necessary in prayer? Look with me at 10.38. 10.38. Where we meet these two people named Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha. If you've ever been a female in a women's Bible study, chances are you've spent a lot of time talking about Mary and Martha. Lord knows the rest of us guys were sort of like, Mary and Martha, yeah, I'm vaguely familiar with them, whereas you women have just done months, years studying Mary and Martha. (laughs) Are you Mary or are you Martha? And I don't know why every Bible study that ladies do seems to have these two come up, but it's always there. And Are you type A personality or are you type B personality? But what I find interesting is as much as the ladies have a gravitational force towards writing Bible studies on this deal, turns out Book of Luke's written to a man. And actually, in view of where Jesus goes right after this. In view of Luke's organizing this material, notice he put Mary and Martha right next to the Lord's Prayer, which demands of us to think about Mary and Martha, not just as some personality test, but actually through the lens of prayer. Look at there, verse 38. Jesus and his followers enter a village. Jesus is welcomed into Mary, and Martha's home. Verse 39, Mary... Is sitting at the Lord's feet listening to his teaching. I didn't know this when I first started studying this passage, but it turns out Luke uses a few peculiar words to show us that Mary is doing what the apostles were to be doing. Uh, 2000 years ago, men would often follow a rabbi, and if They were following a rabbi. Their expected behavior was to sit at his feet listening to his teaching. That's what you did when you followed a rabbi. So the apostles were supposed to be here. And it turns out you've got Mary, a woman, sitting at Jesus' feet listening to him. Mary, she's not one of the twelve apostles, but she's doing what the apostles were expected to do. Sitting in the presence of Christ, learning from Him. If, if you're here taking notes, that may be one of the most important phrases you can write down for this first section. Because Mary's the positive example. She is sitting in the Lord's presence, learning from Him. Mary, on the other hand, verse 40, distracted, and I'm guessing quite frustrated. I kind of imagine. Wait, did I, say, did I say Martha? I said Mary. I'm, I'm getting y'all confused. Okay, Mary's sitting. Good old Mary. But then Martha. Martha, verse 40, she's distracted. Martha's got a to-do list a mile long. I'm imagining Martha told Jesus to show up at 1 p.m. Jesus decided to show up at 10.30. <laughs> but since he's like the savior of the world and everything, what are you going to say? So he shows up, and she's like, what is he taking? He said, do I got the dishes in the sink. I got the bread. And then where's Mary? Mary's sitting in the living room. So I'm imagining Martha takes the dishes. She's throwing them in the sink, slamming the cupboards, imagining maybe if I make enough of a ruckus, Mary will get off her rear and get in here and help me. I don't know if any of you dads have ever done that trick guess, I guess nobody knows that I want help with the dishes, so I'll just throw them in the sink a little louder. (laughs) Well, well, you can imagine Martha's frustrated, and, and so finally she just has enough, so she just goes up to Jesus. She goes to the living room in front of Mary, it's sort of like she's not even pretending Mary's there, to say, okay, Jesus, I don't know if you noticed a few things, but I'm trying to like... Get stuff together for you. Would you please tell my sister to get in the kitchen and help me? Jesus' answer. 41. Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary's chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. commentators note that Jesus in saying her name twice he is being gentle to Martha. He's not shaming her. He's not bonking her on the head. In today's vernacular it'd be like it'd be like him saying, "Come here, girl. Come on, I know you're stressed and I know you got all the things, but this is what's important. What's important is what Mary's doing." sitting here learning from me like Jesus saying Martha in all your anxious distraction frustration to serve me you're missing me here then how Luke sets up this section in prayer, This shows us what's needed in prayer. Do you see it, church? It's not being anxious or troubled by all the things. It's sitting in the presence of God. Finding peace in the presence of Christ. That's what Mary's doing. If you're taking notes, you might write that down. What's really necessary is sitting in God's presence. Sitting in God's presence. But maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, sitting in God's presence? That's it? That's what you're going to tell me? That awful jargon? What does this Christianese even mean? This This is some awful platitude you guys throw around. Sit in the presence of God. That's how you pray. Give me a break, pastor. Give me something real. If any of you are thinking that, I was thinking that myself. Almost wanted to vomit sitting in the prayer. What is this? Don't we have real problems, real to do lists, real deadlines, real anxieties? I mean, stuff we really got to do. So, how are we supposed to make sense of all that sitting in the presence of prayer? What does that even mean? I think Luke knows that we may be wondering about that. And that's why he moves us to how we're supposed to pray. If you've got your Bibles open, look there at chapter 11, verse 1. Pastor Marty started us here. Jesus, he's finishing his personal prayer time. So notice, notice there's an example that Luke gives us. Jesus actually does it. And then he shows up and his disciples go, Hey man, John teaches his disciples how to pray. Would you teach us how to pray? We want to know how to pray your way. And notice then Jesus He's going to give us a model to follow. But he doesn't start in the gimme section of prayers. I know that's where a lot of us start. It's like Jesus' Father Christmas. And it's like, oh, I'm glad I get to have my prayer time. Now let me see my little wish list here. Jesus? No. Jesus, he has a different... He's going to get to petitions, but he begins talking to his Father. And Jesus' word for Father here, as he begins, Father, hallowed be your name. It's the word Abba. Turns out if you do a little study of all the ways that the Pharisees used to pray, nobody used the word Abba. It's always the formal name. Father. Here's Jesus going, if you want to pray my way, it's almost like you could say the word, Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. It's personal. It's intimate. Jesus' model begins by showing us he doesn't believe that God is some, he doesn't believe like some functional deists. Uh, if you didn't know, our forefathers, they were deists. They thought God like started the world and then he moved a million miles away in hopes we figure it out. Definitely not personal. Here's, here's Jesus. And he is showing us how to pray and it begins with Father. Abba. Abba, hallowed be your name. Notice this isn't a request. Notice this is a truth. I want your name to be hallowed. Hallowed, that's a weird name. It means that God would be seen as holy. God would be revered. His name would be made much of. Name in the Bible. Who God is what God has done. That's what it means. Name is an abbreviation for who you are, what you've done. Hey, Dad, I want you to be seen as holy and incredible and beautiful and marvelous. It's what I want. And your kingdom come. Meaning, who you are in heaven, how you reign rightly and rule, please bring that here in case you haven't read the news your entire life turns out this world isn't that great christ modeling for us pray that his kingdom would come so the beginning of his prayer then saying something like this dad be glorified and bring your kingdom that's how the prayer starts dad be glorified bring your kingdom He doesn't start with petitions, but that is where he goes in the second half of his prayer. Look at verse 3 and 4. Give us our daily needs. You know, provide for us. Bread today, bread tomorrow. Forgive us as we forgive others. And lead us not into temptation. Which is not to say that God tempts you. James 1.13 teaches us that God doesn't tempt us what, what this Prayer instead is asking here at the end is, hey, God, would you intervene? Would you rescue me when I'm in a position where where I can't save myself? I need you to save me. Lead us not into temptation, rescue me. I am so vulnerable. Here then, the two parts to the Lord's Prayer. This is how to pray. And it's deceptively simple. Dad, be glorified. Bring your kingdom. And then would you provide what I need today? Would you forgive? Would you rescue? And that's the model for how we're supposed to pray. Some notice that Luke's version is shorter than Matthew. Maybe a little shorter than the Lord's Prayer you and I memorized as a kid. And yet it's still a model prayer for us to follow. Two parts. In a prayer posture, you could go like this. The first half of it is, it's all about you, God. And the second part, would you provide? But if this is how we're supposed to sit in God's presence, this is the answer then to I don't want to just have some corny platitude. Pastor told me today I need to sit in his presence. Now, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. I mean, if it's so simple, why do we struggle so much? If it's so easy, why is it that our actual prayer lives don't seem to actually match what we say we believe about prayer? And I think this is because I think Luke realizes that there's a big difference. Between understanding something and practicing something. And I think Luke realizes that the reason so many of us get stuck and the reason the enemy goes after our prayer lives with all these prayer problems is because in our heart, we don't really know how to have peace in our prayers. We're actually, we say we're too busy, we say there's too much going on, we're really bored. The reason we're all about our idols is because we actually love stuff more than God. That's why we're struggling with prayer. And we don't believe his heart is for us. And I think Luke gets those challenges, which is why he finishes this section with prayer, talking about what you got to believe when you pray. This is where I think he's brilliant. See, at at our heart of hearts, you and I are just like Adam and Eve. We're just like Adam and Eve, staring at the forbidden fruit, Thinking to ourselves, I know God says that's bad, but it looks really good. And I actually just want that. I don't really want what God says I want. I don't want what God tells me to want. I want that thing. And it's because in our hard hearts, if you peel back all the onion layers, we don't really believe God's heart. So look with me at this third movement Luke makes. What must we believe when we believe? Pray. There's two illustrations here in verses five to ten. The first story is in verse five: a guy waking his neighbor up at midnight to borrow some bread. If you're thinking to yourself, "That's shocking that a guy would knock on your door at midnight and ask for bread," that's right. Don't come knocking on my family's door at midnight looking for bread. Sorry, you didn't get to the price chopper on time. They'll be open at six a.m. They would have felt the same shock then. None of us here want our neighbor knocking on our door at midnight saying, get up, I need some bread. I had some out-of-town company and I forgot to go to the grocery store, so hook me up with a few loaves of bread. But Jesus' story, the neighbor, he doesn't just politely knock and then go home. You know, hello, you awake? Oh, you're not? Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. No, no, no. That guy just keeps knocking. And knocking and knocking. Look at the text. What Jesus says is, because of his impudence, because of his persistence, the guy in bed who knew enough to have a few loaves of bread on hand, he's actually going to get out of bed. Why? Because he loves his neighbor and it's his friend and he's just so sweet. That's not what Jesus says. The reason that guy gets out of bed is because he wants his neighbor to shut up. Leave me alone, man. My kids are asleep. You wake them up, you rock them back to bed. (laughs) Fine, take the bread, go. The point of this first story in verses 5 to 10 is Jesus teaching us you can be shamelessly persistent in your prayer. That's the point. You can just keep knocking and knocking. And knock. Jesus tells us that. Look at 9 to 10. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Church, get this. I don't know what you've been praying for that you feel like, I guess I've got to be done praying for that. Don't quit. Don't quit, man. I don't know if it's somebody that needs Jesus and you just think there's just no way. I don't know if it's some health thing. I don't know where you may be thinking, I'm going to quit praying. Don't stop. Shamelessly persist. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. That's the first story. But dare we decide to think, well, does that mean Abba Father is kind of like this man who's in bed, annoyed with me, rolling his eyes, going, just give me some sleep. I Don't think that, because look at the second story. Jesus says, Hey, all you dads out there, y'all have sinful, evil hearts, but even you aren't that awful to your kids. Dads, if you're in here and you didn't actually get the memo, you I read the book, you are all sinners and deserve hell. No amens from the ladies. Okay, okay. Dads, you are sinful, and you deserve hell. I don't appreciate you saying that. I just, I'm just delivering the mail. That's what the text says. You, dad, All of us are sinners. We deserve hell. And yet, when it's time for our little kids to eat breakfast, we don't show up and go, I was going to make you an egg, but instead I brought you a rattlesnake. <laughs> Be careful. This is a scorpion, and it'll sting you. It hurts real bad. Jesus is going, none of y'all do that. You don't do that. Because you're not idiots. (laughs) Because even though you are sinners, even though we are sinners, we know better than to do that. And Jesus' point is, if even you, who have this problem with original sin, you know better than to do that to your kids. Think about how Abba is for you. Meaning you got to understand the Father's heart for you. He's a good Father who wants to give you good gifts. And what I'm trying to get to you, Mill Creek, is if you don't actually believe what Jesus is saying, if you don't believe what Luke's recorded for us, if you don't realize God actually wants good for you, you're going to have a real hard time praying the rest of your life. And you may be able to show up at some church event. You may be able to answer all the questions just right about prayer. But if you don't believe his heart, you won't pray. Here then is how we're supposed to, excuse me, this then what, me, what we must believe when we pray. We must trust the heart of God. We've got to trust the heart of God. And if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write that down. Trust the heart of God. Because the last verse actually shows us the greatest gift that God has given us. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Church, did you know that no matter what it is you're praying for, no matter what it is you think you need, God's already given you the best gift in the Holy Spirit. He's given you the best gift. I mean, John 16, Jesus says, it's good that I'm going away so I can give you the Holy Spirit. I think the disciples are scratching their head like some of us are this morning, like, no, no, don't want the Spirit. I'll just take you, Jesus. Thank you. (laughs) She's going, no, no, no. The Spirit's even better. For those who are in Christ, you have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this gift of the Holy Spirit in you is the best gift any of us could imagine. But if you're tracking with me, you actually may be feeling right now what Martha was feeling earlier. Remember, Martha went to Jesus and said, would you get her to help me with my to-do list? And Jesus didn't give her the answer she was hoping for. And there may be a few of you here who go, well, wait, I actually have a whole list of stuff I want, I want God to give me, but I didn't have the Holy Spirit on my list. And so when you tell me that God's given me the Holy Spirit, it's like, thanks, but I didn't have that on my Christmas list, so I'll just, can I like trade that for something on my list? But what Jesus is teaching us is you can trust the heart of God. And if you actually believe God's heart is good, if you believe God's heart toward you, what you'll find is in the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Father is welcoming you into his presence to give you peace. And and if you believe the Father's heart, then you'll see this gift as what it is. This is better than anything you had on your list. Like a little kid who, who asks for some jewelry and gets like a real Pearl necklace and goes, No, I didn't really want this. She's like, no, no, I promise this is what you want. In time, you'll see. So the Lord has given us this gift. This says, look, if you if you're a Christian, you have 24-7 access to sit in the Father's presence and receive his peace. See, so many of us were so busy and distracted bored and we think that if we just do all this other stuff, maybe we can scratch this deep itch in our souls, but we never get it itched or we're so taken up by idolatry that we're actually functionally spending time in our prayer saying, Lord, would you please give me these false idols so I can worship them more? Or some of us are so hurt and disillusioned with the heart of God that we just don't really pray When when the Father is saying through Christ in the book of Luke, I want to offer you peace. And you can have peace in my presence. I don't know what keeps you up at night, church. I don't know what you're wrestling with, but this is a beautiful gift. But to get it, you've got to believe God's heart is. When well, we've walked through this text, then I want to finish with application. If you're taking notes, I have three questions for application. It's how we'll end our time. Here's the first question. Church, will you pray? I think one of our great problems, especially in a church like Mill Creek, because we've been together long enough. Yeah, church? Like you know me, I know you fairly well. I think we're pretty. Heady church, we got some good doctrine. We're pretty proud of all the bright theology we have. And again, I think we could answer a bunch of quiz questions on Mary and Martha. You probably knew the Lord's Prayer before you walked in, but the question is, are you praying? Show me, show me your prayer life, and I'll tell you what you actually believe. And, and what some of you need more than anything else is, is today. Get 60 seconds by yourself and just get on your knees before the Father. This is what you need to do. And you just need to get on your knees and say, Father, I want peace in your presence. And I know we say we're too busy, we're too bored. At the heart of both of those is pride. And you could do well to spend 60 seconds, just 60 seconds. I'm not calling you to pray for an hour this afternoon. 60 seconds on your knees saying, I'm sorry. For pride. There's this quote from a guy who wrote a book on prayer. A pastor, I really like him, named John O. This is his quote. Prayerlessness is rooted in pride. And pride is more like the flu. Different strands are always evolving, and there's no immunity this side of eternity. Don't, please don't proudly think that prayer is some luxury for the uber spiritual. Friend, prayer is spiritual medicine for those of us who are sin sick with a deadly disease. Prayer is your lifeline. It's what you need more than anything. I mean, good grief, Christ, the Son of God, prioritizing prayer. How in the world are you and I going to get through life without prayer? Pastor but I really am busy. I'm really, really busy. Okay. Bring up, bring your phone up to me after service and I'll look at your screen time and then we can have a conversation. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> Got to prioritize it. Application two. Church, will you pray Jesus' prayer? One of the great gifts of Luke's teaching here is that it actually changes our heart this is a gift of prayer our tendency to pray when we first start this prayer journey is we make a list of everything we actually think we want then we baptize those things by saying well it tells us in the bible god will give us the desires of our heart so i just want all these functional idols delivered to me god but but when you pray jesus's prayer he changes your heart so you actually begin to want what he wants that's why he starts that way he's abba and hallowed be your name and your kingdom come He changes our hearts. This is the way Augustine said it in 300 AD. Here's his quote. We shouldn't begin to pray for all we want until we realize that in God, we have all we need. See, church, if if we're on our knees and we go, Father, you've given us salvation, Jesus Christ. And you've given us the Holy Spirit. I've got everything I need. Oh, I still got to live in this sin-sick world. I still got a handful of years or a lot of years before I'm going to see you and your kingdom's going to fully and finally come. But today, I've got all I need. Boom! Now we're in a position to really pray. Because it's not like he's father christmas and we're hoping to get our wish list fixed. allow the lord's prayer to reshape your heart so that you want what he has given will you pray will you pray christ's prayer finally church will you trust abba's heart For those here struggling because because you've been very hurt, circumstances have happened in your life that leave your heart feeling quite broken. Some stuff has happened and you have really prayed and asked for the Lord to rescue you and He didn't in the way you wanted. Perhaps the most important 60 seconds you could could spend this afternoon is on your prayer, on your knees, praying, Hey God, I need you to change my heart because I don't trust you right now. Because how in the world did you let that thing happen to me? What I'm trying to say is, church, to be real with the Father. He knows... He's not up in heaven going, oh, that was hard for you. Oh, oh, I didn't, I forgot. That would, okay, yeah, now that you mention it, that would have been, that's not the way he is. He knows what's going on in your heart. And you can bring the real you, the real pain, the real disappointment, the real grief. I mean, you can bring that to the Father. Martha, for all her issues in our text, here's what she got right. She knew, I can go to Jesus and I can tell him what's up. She got corrected, but she didn't have all of this internal stuff about, oh, gee, maybe if I tell Jesus I want help with the dishes. He, I know, I mean, he might say this. I mean, she just goes, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to the guy. I'm going to say what's up. This is what I want. I want my sister to help me, hook me up, Jesus. And, and Jesus corrects her, but here's what she got right. She knew she could bring her real stuff, real stuff to God himself. And God answered her prayer. Now, what I'm trying to tell you is if you're here, and you need to do some business because in your heart, you're not really sure he's a good father. Why then would you begin that process? Some of you here, you actually have daddy issues. You've got father issues. You, you, when the cards of life got handed out, you got a bum card when it came to your real dad. And that has had incredible influence on the way that you... Think of God. Whatever those things are that are going on, what I'm inviting you to do is do business with that. If prayer seems to only make this worse and it's exaggerating the problem, we're inviting you to come join our counseling ministry. We have a free counseling ministry here. We'd be happy to talk through these things. Friends, we've got to process our story. Our story doesn't just disappear. You've been through some hard stuff. It's not just going to magically evaporate. The Lord would want you to do business with that. We'd like to help you. If you're hurting, we'd like to walk with you through it. But the question for you is, will you trust the Father's heart? Shamelessly praying, continuing to knock, asking him, give me a heart that believes you. See, For those who are hurting, here's the gospel connection that can be so powerful. If you've been through something that's been so difficult, what you can trust is God is not ignorant of it. And he's actually going to work it for good. And the reason you can have confidence in that is because the son of God went to the cross. And if the Son of God can endure the worst pain, the worst affliction, the worst punishment of all time, if God can take that terrible tragedy and he can actually take that and he can bend it for our eternal good, then you can have confidence that whatever disappointment, tragedy, and issue you've been through, God can do good out of it. It's a promise from his word. He can take any pain and tragedy. He can make it good for you, and we know that because of the gospel. And though you may not know how all of that works, I'm trying to convince you to get on your knees and pray and ask God to begin to change your heart. For what you need most is to sit in God's presence and find peace in prayer. Please, friend, don't walk out of here with an aspirational value of prayer. Don't walk out of here thinking, yeah, I should pray, but whether it's because of pride or idolatry or unbelief, you don't really do it. Find peace in Christ. Pray Christ's way, trusting the Father's heart. God, thanks for the chance to walk through this word, and I do pray in whatever particular ways Mill Creek needs you to meet them. I pray you'd give peace. Would you convict of sin? Help all of us who need to repent of pride or idolatry or unbelief. I pray you'd motivate us to pray. In Christ's name,
1: amen. If you
0: like what you've heard or want to find out more information, please visit our website at MyMillCreek.com.